This is Anne Nicholson-Weber, and you're listening to the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. My guest this week is actor and director Stephen Wimet, who is currently performing in the Chicago Shakespeare production of Taming of the Shrew. He's had a long three-decade association with the Stratford Theater in Ontario, he, uh, the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Uh, this is his second time at Chicago Shakespeare. He's also very well known to those of us who love Slings and Arrows as the character Oliver. And since I'm a big fan of that uh, series, I particularly wanted to talk to him. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me. There's so many things that uh, we could talk about because you've had such a varied career in the theater. I always think it's fascinating um, to imagine what it's like for an actor who's also a director, uh, what it's like to be directed by someone else. You know, how much do you second guess? How much do you have to somehow shut down that side of yourself? So maybe you could talk about that. You've done a lot of directing in your life. Well, I think that's the hardest. What you've just said is the hardest part of it. Mm -hmm. It's it's really turning off that part of your brain uh, because the worst, you know, the worst thing that could happen to you as a director is that you have an actor in the show that wants to direct the right. scene, right. and and I know how frustrating that can be. So I I know right or wrong, you have to put on the actor hat, leave your director's hat locked somewhere at home where you can't get at it, and just give over. And sometimes it's hard, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really difficult. You. You, you, but I find you can channel sort of um, not decisions but options by, by by showing the director lots of choices in your own performance. Yeah, in your right. own in your in, in your own way of working, and they mm -hmm. can choose what they what they like. And right. uh, you know, I think probably nine times out of ten, they choose the one, the one that liked. I like. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. But then there must be also this thing that you're you're um, seeing the production maybe more more holistically than someone who only acts might do. Does that affect your acting? I think it does. I mean, I think that's a real struggle. Um, you know, just to touch on Shrew for a second, this is mm. the fourth time I've been in it. So uh, I'm always, uh, and, and it's not a play that I would have thought would have been at my top of my list to be in. You know, right. maybe King Lear, Hamlet. Right. There's a lot that I think I could uh, spend more time with. But that's just the way it, you know, sort of came down. So mm -hmm. I'm always interested to see how a director approaches that play. Yeah. And uh, I could have all the opinions in the world, but ultimately I've got to get, I signed up to be their supporter right. and be in their production. And I know it's a collaboration, but I have to sort of um, get behind whatever they do. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Well, kind of going at it the other way, how does being an actor change how you direct. It's interesting because when I started to think that I wanted to direct, and that's something I never thought would happen, mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't that I was working with bad directors, but I found that there was a need amongst the other actors that I was playing with for uh, advice and uh, um, help and how to make a, a little moment work or, or, or the arc of the character. And I found I was doing a lot of that in rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, Maybe, maybe that's something I should pursue. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and being an actor and knowing how or what kind of conditions I like in the rehearsal hall to make me the most sort of um, productive and creative, yeah. I just put, I applied those things to my rehearsal hall and it seemed to work really well. The actors responded very well to it. It's not a per se, um, you know, in a kind of, coddling actors way but it's very i'm trying to be as freeing in that department as possible so people can bring their a game you know some mm -hmm. so often if you're you know uptight uh, nervous uh, 
you don't always do right. your best work. Right. And relaxation is a huge thing. Yeah. And, 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 and it's amazing when actors do feel comfortable, especially younger actors. You know, um, I remember a group of, of, of all the young actors that were playing servants in Time and of Athens. Uh, just one night, it, it kind of broke my heart because they all showed up at rehearsal with vests and ties and their hair slicked back and not prompted by anybody, just did it on their own. And you think, that's great. You know, yeah. that's what I want to see is, is, is people taking the initiative and, and uh, m making the work their own. Yeah, yeah. Well, how is there anything that you've observed in general is different between directors who are themselves actors and directors who aren't? I don't know. I, 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 I think about that a lot because I've worked with a lot of directors recently who were actors and are now not actors anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a certain, well, I guess that's obvious, but a certain se sensitivity to the work. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Usually people, when they cross the line, when they go to the other side of the table, they don't usually come back. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'd like to give up acting, even though it is it, it, it poses a lot of... Uh, really interesting problems um Meaning i think the ones we were talking about exactly really. and yeah. i think and i, and I, I think mm -hmm. that it's it's a real schizophrenic way of thinking about your work but it's doable mm -hmm. you know i don't know maybe one day i'll say i can't i just can't i don't want to act anymore and uh and retire to the other side because you still get all the same kind of creative uh good stuff that you get from uh from acting and it's not nearly as hard. It's not yet. No, and when the show opens, you can go home. <laughs> exactly right. You don't have to get up every single day and do it again. That's right. Um, well, I was interested when you talked about you have methods for uh, creating an ambience in the rehearsal room that you think help actors bring their A game. Can you specify any of those for young directors listening? Well, well, I, I think that you know the stuff that I know. It, none of it's mine. Right. It's all stuff I've learned from other people and working with great directors in Canada and the United States, mm -hmm. like Robin Phillips and John Hirsch, mm -hmm. and uh, both who ran the Stratford Festival, right. and, 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 and even to the young modern directors, uh, a director out of Scotland named uh, Graham McLaren, and his techniques for sort of loosening up the group. And, you know, we played basketball. Oh, cool. Uh, that shows up in Slings and Arrows, <laughs> doesn't it? Or playing ball? Bolly, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, we, we did that 20 minutes every day. And, yeah. and, 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 and as much as some people thought, oh, this is just a really tired old theater game, it wasn't. It Like within, I would say, a, a week and a half, that, that it, it really formed a company. Uh -huh. The bond was undeniable and broke down all kinds of barriers. And so I, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm up mm. for... Working hard, but having fun, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Well, what takes you back to acting each time? Well, I, I'm in that funny area. I, I, I'm, I'm too old to play Hamlet and I'm too young to play Lear. So I'm in that mm -hmm. great big gray area right. where I'm sort of waiting for the next set of parts. And But in the meantime, there's a whole bunch of other sort of what are considered to be small parts, but are fascinating, fascinating parts. And, uh, you know, often these parts are given to not necessarily um, bad actors, but actors of a certain level that, right. you know, well, it, it, this is all it requires, so here you go. But, but, but in having sort of tackled a couple of these parts, they're, they're, especially with the Shakespeare, mm. I mean, let me preface it by saying that, that he, he writes such good middle to small roles that 
they, you constantly, it's, there's as much there as the lead parts. Mm-hmm. You just have to dig around for it. And mm-hmm. parts like La Fue and uh, All's Well That Ends Well are just rich, rich, rich and fully, you know, constructed and detailed human beings. And, right. and so, so that's been a real, rather than thinking of that as a sort of a down step, you say, no, actually, for this stage, this is a really good thing to explore. Uh, those those mid those mid range parts. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about a repertory company and ensemble like the Stratford, where you know some really great actors in the course of the season will play some fairly minor roles, so that the entire cast, top to bottom, you know, tend to be these. Absolutely, and that's the tradition I came from, having yeah. come right out of theater school into the Stratford company, and and seeing that, you know, working, you know, seeing Maggie Smith play the lead in the afternoon and then play uh, a walk-on at night. Right. You know, and what a treat for an audience that is. Well, how did you come to acting? You were you grew up in... I grew up in St. Thomas, Ontario, mm-hmm. which is just south of London, Ontario, uh-huh. uh, in, in southwestern Ontario. Which is essentially farm country, right? Basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the neighborhood of Stratford, it's about 45, right. 50 minutes away from Stratford. Mm-hmm. So we, of course, made school trips there. I saw that's where I saw my very first professional play. And uh no, I think I got into it accidentally. I think I was headed down a um I don't know what kind of a road. I I always thought in the back of my head I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> that's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. And then I was sort of hanging out with a bad crowd in high school and I think there was an English teacher who saw I don't know something and asked me to come and audition for a play and I mm-hmm. thought no way like I'm not even closely, even remotely interested in that. Right. And I, but I did it and uh, got hooked. And this was late. And like, you know, back then we went to grade 13 in high school before you went off to university. And this was by maybe grade 11. So mm-hmm. I only had like a couple years, but I got heavily into the drama club and uh, then sprung it on my parents that I decided I was going to go to acting school when they thought I was going to be a veterinarian. <laughs> so that was a big shock. And uh, But they made sure I went to a university where I could get a degree because then I could always be a teacher right. if, I didn't, if it didn't work out. Right. And, uh, you know, I think they were worried in terms of that. But 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 just so happened I was lucky and right out of school I, I, I went into William Hutt's Young Company. He was wow. running the Grand Theatre in London at the time and uh, got into that and from there went, into, went to Stratford and... Uh, haven't really looked back. It seems like uh, such an unusual, rare opportunity for an actor in these days to be able to have a home like that. How does that affect, do you think, your development as an actor, being part of a company like that? I think it can be both good and bad. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, unless you've got somebody at the, <clears throat> at the head of uh, an, organize, an organization like that that really is out looking out for you and your development... You have to do it yourself. And and I've always believed that uh, the open-door policy in any company is a good idea. Uh, you know, you could sort of be part of a company for 25 years and never work anywhere else, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's important in terms of the health of the company to get out and work with other people, learn other things, bring that back. It's yeah. like a blood transfusion, and right. it, it, it's not only good for you, but it's good for them. Cross-pollination. Yeah, and it's yeah. good for the profile of the company yeah. to see actors from Stratford in other companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Peter Hinton, who runs the National Arts Center in Ottawa, uh, just reinstated uh, 
a resident company after 25 years of not having one. And I felt that was a very important thing to do. So mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure I could be part of that mm -hmm. and went in this past winter and played Scrooge in A Christmas Carol as part of that company and then assistant directed Mother Courage with Peter. Mm -hmm. So it was a really interesting uh, you know, sort of dual of, of, of things to keep me interested and a, a way of being part of a, of a new company, a company that I think is important. Uh, you know, uh, the National Art Center should have a company and should have a company that's performing across the country. So it's those kinds of things that if you're just in one area, you can't really be a part of. And I think that if you plan your time well, you can be part of many things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, I'm, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how the um, Canada certainly has a British cast from th from American eyes. It does, and the yeah. the British theater, although this is even there dying, obviously, but has so much more of a tradition of the of the ensemble, the rep the repertory company. And I wonder if you've seen enough American theater to observe if there's any difference that that cultural difference makes in American theater versus Canadian theater. It's a complicated question. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> did no. I, 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 I understand. I understand your question. Yeah. I'm not sure there. I'm not sure there is. I think there's slight. Certainly not with modern plays. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's uh, sort of um, culturally we each attack those in our own particular way, and the results are pretty much the same. Uh -huh. Classical theater. I think there is a slight difference, mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if I could even put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, we, we do come from a more of a British tradition of of of, of uh, tackling classic theater, but we've also gone through our own kind of emancipation. You know, in the mm -hmm. sort of mid seventies, when when suddenly it was okay to not act Shakespeare in a British accent. Right. You know, up until then they did, and uh, actors like William Hutt and sort of our heroes uh, led the way on that and said, uh -huh. "No, we, we you can actually speak this in your own voice." So that was a big step forward yeah i think and and since then we've gone through many you know and and, and we've lost some ground in that area really that's you know, interesting the english yeah. accents start to creep back in and you go wait a second didn't uh, we already can we, <laughs> we learn that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah and and uh -huh. i mean even that's okay to, to experiment i guess but uh, -huh. uh you know i think it's important for for each country to do the classics the way they want to do them, the way they right. they appeal to their particular audience. And I don't think there's any, you know, that's the great thing about Shakespeare. There's no one way to do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. Right, right, right. We'll talk a little bit about, I mean, besides being on stage mostly in classical uh, companies, well, Stratford particularly, and here at Chicago Shakes, for instance, but you've also done um, television. We've mentioned Slings and Arrows, that wonderful series, and you've done a lot of voice work, I believe, for animated films. Uh, most of your film work has been voice work, is that right? Uh, I would say that, uh, well, the anim the cartoons were are such a great thing to fall into. I yeah. mean, they just started producing um, animated series with a company called Nalvana in Canada, um, probably about 20, 15 to 20 years ago, when it's really sort of started happening, and now there's a lot of of that going on up there, but I got uh, the first series I did was uh, Beetlejuice, yeah, and it was uh, great. It, it ran, you know, went into syndication. There was 105 episodes recorded, and you know, um, it was it was a it's like a real job, like a real <laughs> job, and went in twice a week to wow. record episodes. Didn't have to get dressed up. Mm -hmm. So that seems a, like a very different 
discipline as an actor. I mean, to just shut down your body essentially and use only your voice. Is it is it fun or frustrating or both? It's really fun. Mm. It's really, really, really fun. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the voice director is really underrated or maybe not. Um, it, it's a really important job because because it is so focused on you and the microphone. Mm-hmm. You, you can't always, they can hear in the booth what you sound like. So you have to really trust them in terms of uh, intonation. I remember auditioning for Beetlejuice and we were on a kind of a live hookup to Los Angeles with the producers and they were asking me to change the way I said the. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll try. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and in the end it worked because I ended up getting it. But Can you still do that voice? I can, I think if I dig way down in. Um, are you asking me to do it right I now? I was. All right. I, I wonder if I can. It's been 15 years right. since we did it, but it sort of sounded like, hey, babe, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound very healthy. You know, I, I figured out a way to do it uh-huh. where it sounds awful, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, because uh-huh. I could do it for like two or three hours in a session and not come out with a wrecked voice. Right, right, right. We'll talk about um, making television series because that – in some ways, seems more like repertory theater than other kind, like film acting, let's say. Is, is that right? Yeah, and, and particularly Slings and Arrows. Well, let me just say how much fun that was to do. Because like the, <laughs> everybody was from the theater, you know, had a theater background and knew each other from the theater. And uh, so there was no kind of TV hierarchy going on between the right, actors. It was right. just we had a ball. Yeah. And I didn't really know what I was getting into when we signed up for it because the artistic director of the Stratford Festival at the time, Richard Manette, mm-hmm. uh, had kind of seen an early draft of the script and condemned it and said, you know, mm-hmm. it's vile and I don't think it should be produced and mm-hmm. thought it was sort of making fun of the theater in right. a mean way. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of put out the word that anybody that sort of... Would get blackballed, basically? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, not really mm-hmm. in those terms, but... But you uh, wondered. Yeah, I uh-huh. wondered. And, 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 and I was sort of asked to play a character that was partially based on him. Yes. And uh, yeah. I thought, oh, well, I wasn't going to do a full-out imitation of Richard, and right. I didn't. Right. I tried to include as many artistic directors that I had worked with uh-huh. in, and make a conglomeration of right. them. Right, right. And, uh, and as it turned out, you know, um, I don't think he ever, he's now since passed away, yes, right. uh, very sadly, but um, he never watched it, or at least he said he never watched mm-hmm. it. And I kind of wish he had because... Mm-hmm. It turned out to be a very heartfelt love letter to the theater. Yeah, I think it showed some warts, but you know, it was it was it wasn't mean spirited, and I think that's partly due to the the rewrites that they did mm. on the script and also the actors that they hired, who were intelligent enough to know we can't just be mean about this. You right. know, we actually have to love these people and right and 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 i and from what i gather from what i hear from other people that that, that came through that, that came through yeah 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 well so so it's a bunch of actors and it's about the theater but the thing that's unusual compared to any other acting experience is that you're together for so long right i mean not a movie and not i mean as a company yes but not on any particular story and not living in any particular character so what what was fun about that or what was difficult about that well, it was shot over three years mm-hmm. in the winter when people weren't when people were available, uh-huh. and it was shot very fast and um, out, out of sequence. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have the luxury like we would be if, let's say, we were in the offices of the the theater administrative offices. 
we would shoot all the scenes right. for all six episodes of yeah. that season in a row. Yeah. So we were jumping from season one to season, you know, no episode one, one to episode right. two to episode five, back to episode six. Right. Like we were all over the map. So right. it was a it was a continuity nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, every actor had to know the whole season, like all six episodes, really well, mm-hmm. so we could just bounce around. And we did, we did get together and rehearse them, mm-hmm. you know, around the table, and so we knew what the whole kind of arc of the story was, right. and uh, sort of where you had to be emotionally from. Sometimes from one morning to the to that afternoon yeah. it was a huge change. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then we do all the. Ellen's bedroom scenes. Then we do all of you know, and right. and uh, it was a, a a very mad way of shooting it. But it and it was down and dirty. It was fast. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it, it shot for more than you know six hours of television were done in about you know under two months. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was fa- it was really fast, but so much fun. Yeah. We laughed constantly. <laughs> right. I think it I sounds think, like I, a great job if you can get it. Totally, I think the assistant directors on that play had to really sort of, you know, constantly, gently say, "Come right. on, guys!" You're having a little too much. Yeah. Fun. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it made for a great set, but um, we, we could have just, I mean, sat around and had a party. Right. Have you done much other television? A little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I've dabbled here and there. I, I, it's hard if you don't make yourself available for it. Right. You know, you, you really have to sort of make that decision and say, okay, I've saved up some money. Now I'm going to go and sit in Toronto and audition or wherever mm-hmm. and uh, audition for movies and, 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 mm-hmm. and television and see what happens. You have to sort of give it that time. But, you know, I keep getting involved in like eight-month contracts at places and then I'm not available. Right. So, uh, if you made it a priority, though, you obviously could be. It's it, yeah, you have you're, to. You're making choices that you'd rather be on the stage. It sounds like. Yeah, it's sort of my first love, and I I I I I, I love doing um, film and TV, but you know, I I, I don't think I'd, I'd rather be working than sitting around waiting for work. Right, which is so much of waiting for film and film and television. Right? Absolutely. Um, well, some of the roles I've seen you in both in uh, Shrew here at Chicago Shakespeare and uh, last season at Stratford as Hysterium in uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And Oliver, obviously, is a comic role, too. Um, and I I would love to hear you talk about comic acting, maybe comic acting in classical, uh, particularly Shakespeare, but just in general. You know, what, what do you do to be funny? How do you approach a comic role? Is there anything you can say about that, or is it just instinct? I think partly it is instinct, mm-hmm. but I also think that, I mean, I make, sometimes I make directors nervous because I like to take it, I like to just play, like just treat it like it's not funny. Uh-huh. I don't mean perversely serious, but just play the story. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and often you're not funny for a while. Uh-huh. And, and I think that people get nervous and think, oh, are you going to be? We hire him to be funny. Yeah, like <laughs> where is it? Where the? Come on, yeah. where's the comedy? And yeah. and and, but but I believe if you, if you if you plant it in truth and 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 just really play the situation and mm-hmm. and not think of it as a comedy, it will serve you better. Yeah. In the end, you know, because I've seen so many things that you know in rehearsal where all the everybody's laughing their heads off at something, and it's rehearsal hall funny. Right. It's not real funny. Right. It's funny. 
to us. Right. It's too inside. Yeah. So I'd rather opt for the no, you know, not to be a real taskmaster, but I like the rehearsals where the director says, let's try and keep this laughter thing down to a minimum. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is harder because, you know, you go into a first preview not knowing. Where's the left going to be? Will there be left? Will there be yeah. any? Yeah. And then you're incredibly surprised when they, when there are. And uh, I prefer that. Well, go back. You, you've started your rehearsal process not trying to play for less, just trying to play the character, play the truth, the emotional truth, as you said. So then what does it mean to start getting funny? What, what happens? What do you do? Can you, I, I know this is so abstract, but. Well, I think the, you know, the, I mean, I think there's a little part of yourself that splits off mm -hmm. that, 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 that you can trust to be, to keep an eye out for that, uh, you know, oh yeah, that's going to work. That's going to be funny, and partly it's you know experience and right. instinct. And right, right. So I'm, I'm you know, interesting question you've asked. <laughs> but I do think a part of you has to technically detach and say, okay, I'm going to have to wait that long, uh -huh. or I'm going to have to find something very important to do while that laugh happens. Uh -huh, and if that right. laugh doesn't happen, I'm still I'm okay because I've got something. I went something on to, to something. Do, right? I went on there. to something uh -huh. else. Like right. I'm not just waiting right. for something that's not going to come. Right. You know, if you find all those things and uh, n navigate, and you know, th there's nothing. I think one of the best tools, uh, you know, a, a comedic actor has in his arsenal is the element of surprise. It's right. it's it's sort of almost the the, the, one. the best one, right? Uh -huh. And if you can sort of lead the audience down one path and then absolutely whammy them with something that they're not expecting, yeah, it's usually gold, right? So you know. I just know over time, that's why it's always interesting to work with new people because you know, I know by experience and over time what works for me, how I work and how I get... Get there. Uh, yeah, how I get to the end without sort of playing for results. Right. And, and, you know, and the people that know you trust you and the people that don't know you kind of get nervous. <laughs> right. But But I know that if... If you just stay true to the story and not play for laughs, not, not, not like, like know where they are, maybe, you know, I know there are directors who can say, no, there will be something there. There will be something there. Right. There will be something there. And you go, okay, well, well, then they're right. Mm -hmm. But, 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 but to ride that fine line between, you know, sort of taking it absolutely dead seriously. And a part of your brain going, no, but it's okay, because you don't want to sort of beat the audience into submission either and make them think it's too heavy. Right. right. So, so it really, it's a little tight, Instinctive. it's a little tight wire mm -hmm. walking. Well, when you work with, as a director, when you work with young actors, have you had this experience of directing a comedy and needing to help a younger actor figure out how to be funny? Yeah, and that's that's difficult, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that comes down to the same thing I was talking about: is mm -hmm. saying, you know, you've got to play this at life and death stakes, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and absolutely seriously. And uh, they're not always believing of you, mm -hmm. you know. You mm -hmm. say, especially with Shakespeare, like you don't get in the way of him. You know, right. he's always the smartest person in the room. So just stay that's out of his way. True, but I find the the a lot of Shakespeare humor, not the situational comedy that always works but you know all the puns and the elaborate puns <laughs> you know can be really tiresome mm -hmm. you know and um because it's just not how 
we listen, maybe, if we don't get half the illusions. I mean, so many times those speeches get delivered and you know it's supposed to be funny, but actually it's not funny <laughs> to you, you yeah, know? Yeah. So what are there tricks that, um, that you use kind of to help in those situations? Have you played any of the Shakespeare clowns, real clowns? Well, yeah, you did As You Like It. I did. I played Touchstone, which yeah. is one of the hardest ones. Yeah. Not as hard as the clown in Paul's Well, but it's close. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, making that stuff, you know, some, some, some clever editing is always a good idea. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I think a lot of directors talk about Shakespeare and if he'd had a dramaturge, like, right. you know, what that would have been like and right. maybe necessary. And I think with some of those comic parts, you do have to cleverly edit them. Trim, yeah. Yeah, not, not cut them to pieces, mm-hmm. but you have to certainly take out the stuff that's going to be out. You know, you don't want an audience thinking for 10 minutes, what was, what that? was that? Right. And missed all the others. So if it's right. really that archaic, just get rid of it. Yeah. Right, right. You know, without turning it into a, or, or, or find its modern equivalent. Uh-huh. What would that mean? Can you give an example um, of that? Like when you see actors in Shakespeare pub scenes with beer steins uh-huh. doing all that right. on a Shakespeare ye olde drinking right, acting. Right, right, And, and then suddenly you say, well, we don't do that anymore. So when you see a character, uh, a king or somebody who's in trouble and they go to the bar and pour a Makes a martini. We understand that. Uh-huh. You know, we uh-huh. understand right. what that means. You know, psychologically, what it that translates means. Into it translates. An, an idiom that means. So, right. so that's an action. But mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I guess you try and do the same thing with the words that you right. think. Well, that's what it meant then. What could it mean to us now? Right. And can I get the same value out of it? Right. W- w- will it will it be kind of titillating and funny to an audience today? Yeah. So that's what you tr- try and do. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the comedy that I've seen you create is physical. You know, it's not in the words at all. It's just some little, I don't know, posture or response physically. Um, and that I ha- and so that's not being given to you by the playwright. You're just making that up. Do you have to, is it, is it only a sort of ex- artistically correct to do that at certain points? In other words, if you're able to get a laugh, do you have to let go of it sometimes because it interrupts? Yeah. So, Absolutely. So is that? Do you just dish it up, and the director says, "Yeah, you can keep that." No, you can't do that. Often, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you say, "Go as far as." I, I always believe, take it as far as you can. You can always cut back, right? But right. if you don't go far enough, then you don't know sort of what the possibilities are. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's we all have our own kind of line of uh-huh. you know cheap. Uh, you right. cross, and you <laughs> right. just go, that's over the line. Right. I, I, and right. I even know that's even over the, the line. Even if the director will let me yeah. have it, I don't want it. I don't want it. it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want any part of it. Right. But, 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 but creeping up to the line can be exciting. Uh-huh. Just don't go over it. Have you had any training in, I don't know, mime or clown or anything? No. Just... No. I think it's always been something I was interested in. I was always fascinated by clowns when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had, I remember my first kind of toy was an Emmett Kelly Wow. And I remember that from like I had to have been three or four, and, and children and, usually find clowns kind of I know, scary. But this was that the white mouth yeah, tramp right. kind right. of thing, and right. I don't know why I had that, but I did, mm. and and it must have made an impression on me because I still I remember it. Yeah, right. And uh, so I always like was fascinated by them, and I didn't ever study uh, clown per se, but I know that that's that's part of. It's part of my makeup. Yeah. It's part of my, um, it's just part of who I am. Uh, I was always sort of entertaining my family with mm-hmm. 
little shows. If there was a broken TV, we'd take the tube out and I'd get in, you know, you know, <laughs> right. like all that, you yeah, know, yeah. went on. So, yeah. uh, it's there. It's, it's part of, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, um, this is the most important question I've asked you. I have a 15 year old who's very serious about acting. So what advice would you give him? Really serious, eh? He's really Pretty serious. serious eh? yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, then you've got to just follow your dreams and do it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's a hateful, <laughs> mean, right. fantastic, giving, loving. It's, 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 it's a fantastic way to make a living. If you can make a living. If you can make a living. Right. But, but certainly, um, it's in the trying. Like, if you don't try, you'll never know. Mm -hmm. And even, and even the experiences that you get from having tried are going to benefit you in life. So it's worth it. It's worth a shot. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Anne.